Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Rose Eva Forbes Jenkins. My name is Wen Chan. My name is Luis Fuentes. I'm Michelle Dang. And I'm Autumn Mornchek. And we'll be your hosts for today's super extra special fun drive episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. For the past 30 years, CJSR has been a voice for diverse communities not represented on radio anywhere else in the city, broadcasting alternative news, cultural programming, and underground music that cannot be heard anywhere else, with a strong focus on local culture. CJSR has also long been a place of inclusion, where people of any age and background can learn the various aspects of broadcasting, from board members to music librarians, technicians, organizers, and on-air hosts. CJSR is proud to be a volunteer-run radio dedicated to pushing the status quo. This year's annual fundraising fund drive is themed Audio Password, from 7 a.m. on October 30 to 6 p.m. on November 7, we're asking you to show support for independent radio and make a donation to your favorite CJSR program. In this case, us. So mark your calendars and start searching for couch cushions, breaking open piggy banks and referring through coat pockets because every dollar helps us reach our goal of $75,000. It's been a long and difficult year for everyone, and I'm sure everyone's getting a bit cabin favory. But have no fear. We're here at Adam and Eve. We'll be taking you around the world today. First, we will be hearing a snippet from a conversation between Wen, Roziva, and Mavi and Reka from Intent Coffee. Intent Coffee is a new coffee shop in Edmonton located in Southgate Mall. They are a Filipinx, queer, and BIPOC-run cafe led by youth working towards a more sustainable community. In the following conversation, you'll be hearing about the colonial legacies of the Philippines and what Mavi and Rika are doing to decolonize coffee. Next, we are taking you on a journey as we each discuss a feminist from elsewhere in the world. Then, we will be featuring an interview between Autumn, Roseva, and Caitlin Hart from Free Transit Edmonton about the intersections of feminism, transit, and the right to mobility. And as per tradition goes, we can't forget the personality quiz. So stay tuned to find out which country should be our next travel destination based on our quarantine routine. Before we begin our first segment, let's hear from Lewis on why they find importance in producing radio on Adam and Eve and what your support means to us and CJSR. What community radio means to me is that, that idea of providing a space for discussion or broadcasting information, opinions, and stuff like that, that everybody should, uh, has access to or everybody particip participates on. And just that, just the ability of like appropriating one of the main ways of communication, which is uh, the airwaves. Thanks for that. Now let's take a listen to our interview with the folks at Intent Coffee. I use she, her pronouns, and we're here in the back area of Intent Coffee. Thank you so much for letting us sneak around the back. Yeah, of and course. your adorable break room with the I know rice maker. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for having us. 
Hi, I'm Gwen, Gwen Chan. I use they, them, she, her pronouns. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to learn more about what you're all about um, and hear more about the stories. Hi, my name is Mavi AZ Tolentino. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm glad to be here. Hello, um, my name is Reka Heradura. I use uh, she, her, they, them pronouns. I'm a queer Philippine ex, uh, first generation immigrants here on Turtle Island. Yeah, I am also a first gen queer Filipina living on uh, Turtle Island, and I moved here when I was 15. Plus, also, we're non academics. So. We didn't go to post secondary. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely like opening up intent. We encounter a lot of challenges in the way, but yeah. We got here. We got here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk more about those challenges? I'd say um, there's external and internal, a lot more on the internal because as someone who was born the way we are, like we are brainwashed and taught and conditioned to, to move through the world in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So like we are brainwashed to just be laborers and, and just stay here where we are and not um, pursue anything greater than that. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to break a lot of uh, intergenerational trauma that has been passed down for centuries. Like with the mentality that like, oh, this is, this is it. Like this is all we can achieve um, as, as brown people, immigrant people on stolen land. Being an immigrant coming from the Philippines, it colonized countries colonized so many times but definitely having to dismantle a lot of set mentalities like scarcity mindset crab mentality and also coming into terms with um, queer identity and assimilation here and not being able to be proud of who I am or showcase what I've got and what I can offer and yeah it's just it's it's that's one of like the internal troubles I've, I've had to overcome and intent has also helped me overcome and by, by intent I mean not just like the structure like business it's actually the people that helped us through the way our chosen families our friends who's helped us and held us accountable you know with with our growth as well as we grow with this business mm -hmm. externally obviously the system <laughs> um, only a certain amount of people can access resources and information, right? Um, being white, privileged people. Um, so we couldn't meet the requirements and eligibilities of conventional banking. So we had to find money somewhere else. And on top of that, like we had to turn into community to ask for help and to get the resources because we learn that together collectively we have a lot and we can do so much with that we just need to start talking to each other and not be afraid to ask for help from each other because we are the only ones that we have um so yeah like lack of funding um, lack of information and, and resources we had to really dig that and find out a way to get all of those things yeah we had to carve out our own way because not a lot of filipinos queer young first-gen Filipinos do this because like what Mavi said we're conditioned to just be workers we're conditioned to be exported we're conditioned to be overworked and to have someone above us mm -hmm. and one thing is that like 
there's like 4,000 Filipinos leave our country every single day to get exported into foreign lands to be laborers. But why don't we see Filipinos thriving in those lands, right? Like, why don't we see Filipinos who are owning something? Or we don't even have a cultural center here in Alberta, and we have 120,000 Filipinos that live here. Why do Ukrainian people have it, right? Like, like we've been here. <laughs> um, and there's Chinatown, there's all the representation of other, like, Asians, East Asian countries, but not us. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the color of our skin. And that comes with the history of colonization. I guess like talking from, um, <clears throat> talking about colonization and your work here with, um, with decolonizing coffee, do you want to talk a bit about what that looks like and what it means to you in practice? One way to control a population, like a group of people, is to control their food systems. Um, and us taking like control and like have representation through coffee is is a huge step for us because we're finally like benefiting from the trade that from the products that grow from our ancestral lands from our native lands and like having a say in that yeah. and that's how you at least I personally reclaim my cultural identity is through food because if we reclaim the food we also reclaim the people and the, the culture that comes with that yeah food is beyond calories for filipinos it's a form of connection it's a form of community it's it's a form of healing right but i like in this climate like we find that a lot of there's been a rise in the Filipino food movement as well, but there's it's underrepresented. And if it is, like white people have been taking it from us and we're done. Like we don't wanna be represented as this like exotic but because like Uba is like, such an exotic thing, but to us it's not. It's it's a food that I grew up in. Like how is that exotic? And we find that a lot of um, appropriation has been occurring and to be able to represent ourselves in this it's decolonizing coffee yeah we're done being discovered <laughs> yeah it's like they've always oh. been here um and it's just we were we're underrepresented and it's time for us to finally realize our, our potential as people but that has to look like us filipinos like coming together and not dragging each other down but lifting each other up and lifting other like non Filipinos who are non-white as well with us because we are from the global south and and not, like most of the food that we eat in the consuming world which is the first world countries the developed countries or should I say colonizer, colonizer countries like the food that we eat here are from the global south like a lot of it but why is the global south still impoverished why, why are people there still still hungry right why do if, white people still have to constantly save yeah. the global south yeah if we grow the food why aren't we fed right um so that's like a big question <laughs> is why is the most um, productive population of the world which is the people of the global south still poor why is that and we can all trace it back to historical facts and colonization mm -hmm. yeah Cafes are first spaces, and and historically in the Ottoman Empire, like a lot of like artistic um, expression, literature, mm -hmm. um, po 
poets, and most of those are queer ass people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they hung out in coffee shops, right? Um, and until they banned it, because those people, the people that were sober and drank coffee and discussed about politics, yeah. art, and culture, planned to overthrow the government rather than the drunk, drunk people yeah. and the tavern. <laughs> So they banned coffee in the Ottoman Empire, deb- like dubbing it as the devil's, the devil's cup. cup. Mm-hmm. And so people started like demonizing coffee because mm-hmm. people who were sober, who were queer and like artistically and politically inclined <laughs> wanted to overthrow the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we want to recreate those spaces again where mm-hmm. that, that can happen. Mm-hmm overthrow the government <laughs> um, but you know like spark the the movements and the changes that needs to happen right now yeah. stay sober <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, not not to demonize all the 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 queer bars in that culture because that was that those places were critical to our survival as well mm-hmm. but we need alternatives now we need options because we deserve them Oh, we need to step up. We need yeah. better places. We need more intersection. We need more welcoming spaces mm-hmm. where conversations mm-hmm. are welcome and conversations are started. Like, also, like we were talking about mentorship, right? But in bar settings, it's like if it's you more talk sexualized. To an older yeah. person, it's like oh, mm-hmm. right. But in a coffee shop, it's like it's not that because the, it's the environment that you mm-hmm. put that conversation in that changes it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, where do queer kids go? Yeah. They can't be susceptible they to can't all, access like... all those spaces. Yeah. Um, and so we need to start creating spaces for the next generation. The things that we didn't have. Yeah, high school was f***ing tough. Yeah, we didn't want to go home because we were like closeted. I was a closeted, like, <laughs> queer. And, and like, the only safe space was like, our ca- school. Yeah. Ca- school, and then we went to cafes after that. But even then, cafes are only open till what? three, Like, 5 p.m.? Yeah. Eight. And even then, we have to tone down our like our our, queerness, our queerness yeah. and like our voices because like being Filipino, we're allowed. Being queer, on top of that, we're <laughs> it's like a party, yeah, a concert, you know, and like yeah. people like staring at us, giving yeah. us all these glares yeah. just because we want to be unapologetically ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's we, why we want yeah. to also like have the brick and mortar so we can open until like late, mm-hmm. but still like be a sober space, like. Why don't we go out on dates sober? <laughs> yeah. Have like sober yeah. drag shows, you know, yeah. that's also like accessible to younger queers, mm-hmm. right? That's like, there is a space for you if you need it. Yeah. Yeah, we're inside Southgate Mall. The closest entrance is Southeast entrance. We're right by the bay and right beside Swarovski Crystals. So we're very accessible. Um, the doors come with a wheelchair accessible um, button. Uh, we're also on the ground floor, so you don't have to worry about walking um, through a set of stairs. Uh, we have limited seating, but there are like benches available if you need to. And in terms of Instagram, you can follow us at intentcoffee.yag. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, thank you Thank so you much. for having us. Welcome back. This is Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM. You just heard an interview between Wen Chan, Rosie Force Jenkins, and the folks at Intent Coffee. If you like hearing diverse content at interviews like the one we just featured, make sure to donate online at cjsr.com slash donate.
Before we jump into our next segment, let's hear from Autumn about why community radio is important to her and why support from you, the listeners, is integral to keep our programs going. Adam and Dave and CGSR have given me the opportunity to work with an amazing group of people and produce stories that I'm really passionate about. Without support from you, the listeners, we would not be able to give people of all genders and identities a voice and a safe space to be heard and discuss a variety of topics that we care about. Your donations allow us to keep doing what we love and producing feminist content, which is near and dear to my heart. Thank you so much for that, Autumn. Now we'll be moving on to our Better Know a Feminist segment, International Edition. So we've each picked a feminist from around the world that we wanted to talk about and share with everybody. So first up is Lewis. Lewis, can you tell us about the feminist that you chose and why you chose this person? For sure. So the person I chose or the feminist that I chose was Manuela Sáenz de Vergara y Espuru. She was a Latin American revolutionary who contributed a great deal in consolidating the ideal of independence in Colombia, Ecuador, and Venezuela and also helped mobilize people for the cause. This was around the 1820s, a long time ago, but she, along with uh, many other female patriots, activists, and revolutionaries, she was stigmatized for her unapologetic challenge to patriarchal norms of the time, which in that case was represented by the colonial oppression from, from the Spanish crown. And the reason I chose her was because, uh, as I said before, she, with other female characters, participated in the struggle for liberation. And they were essentially the development of social and political consciousness among young patriots, young generations at that time. And more importantly, I think is the, those that kind of the first notions of feminism that the South American people could form. So I think she, along with other female characters had a great impact in, in that formation of, of feminism in South America. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Lewis. Would you say that her frame of thinking or this feminism has influenced you in any way? For sure, yeah. I mean, just, just by the sense of challenging what, what is established at the time, right? So along with other uh, revolutionaries that were killed at the time, I feel very inspired and very willing to challenge the notions of patriarchal norms and stuff like that. Thank you, Lewis. Next up, we have Autumn. So Autumn, do you want to tell us about the feminist that you chose? Yeah, so I picked Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She's a Nigerian author and feminist. She's written three novels, uh, Purple Hibiscus, Half of a Yellow Sun, and Americana, as well as a short story collection titled The Thing Around Your Neck. And all of her writing, or most of her writing, discusses her heritage and identity and centers on the lives and experiences of Nigerians and Africans, which is really interesting. She's received numerous awards and distinctions, including the Orange Broadband Prize for Fiction in 2007 and a MacArthur Foundation Fellowship in 2008. The work of hers that sticks out the most to me uh, happened in 2012. She did a TED Talk titled, We Should All Be Feminists. And this TED Talk was later turned into a book where she kind of expanded on those ideas. She shares her experiences as an African feminist and tackles the word feminist in general. She outlines why feminism should be embraced instead of being thought of as an insult or a derogatory word centered around women who hate men or it being used in a negative way. And she talks about the need to transform social beliefs and gender constructs that promote the disparity between men and women. 
in the TED talk in the book, she not only tackles the construction of femininity, but also masculinity and how traditional gender roles, whether that be for men or women can be harmful. And I really enjoyed the TED talk because it really resonated when she talked about her experiences of being called a feminist in a negative way, or that being seen as that you're angry or that you hate men or things like that, because I have definitely experienced being called a feminist and it being more in a negative connotation. Um, I had a friend where I was discussing uh, some of my ideas regarding feminism in sport. It's what I'm doing my master's on. So I'm obviously very passionate about it. And she said to me that I was too intimidating because I was really angry about all of these things. And that really stuck with me. And so the TED talk, I felt like really resonated with me in that way. And a fun fact, audio from that TED talk is actually included in Beyonce's 2013 song, Flawless, which is cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Autumn. I uh, read Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and I love that book so much. And I also love that Beyonce song that she is quoted on. So two equally great works. Next up, we have Michelle. Okay, so the feminist that I picked is Trin Minha. So she's a feminist and post-colonialist theorist, filmmaker, writer, and composer, among other things. Um, she's Vietnamese American. She was born in Hanoi in 1952 and grew up in Vietnam um, during the Vietnam War. But she's also just been around the world and now she's currently a professor at Berkeley in California. And she teaches women and gender studies. And she especially focuses on gender politics as it relates to like cultural politics, post-coloniality, contemporary critical theory, and the arts. So some of the essays and books she's written, uh, Difference, A Third World Feminism Issue, and also Women Native Other Writing Post-Coloniality and Feminism, which I just picked up and I'm super excited to read. Her films include Reassemblage and the one that I recently watched that really just introduced me to her work, Surname Viet, Given Name Nam. This film, it was kind of like first presented in this documentary style with a bunch of archival footage from Vietnam um, and it included like songs and dance and also interviews with Vietnamese women and it was kind of just exploring the role of women in Vietnamese society and like their place in history and just presenting different women's stories. It also analyzed how like different systems exploit women differently but then as it goes on and um I won't spoil it, but it kind of changes into something that's actually talking about how Western audiences consume stories and truths in quotation marks um, from foreign and especially non-white countries. So how she made the film was just really interesting to me and it just introduced me to her, her work and her way of thinking because most of her work does focus on like the relationship between post-colonialism and feminism. She does a lot of critiquing of white feminism in relation to like race and other intersections and she talks about how white feminism is kind of like a colonialist tool in and of itself that silences the voices of women of color so I'm really excited to read um, the book that I picked up and just get more into her work myself. Yeah that's super rad Michelle. What's the best way to view that movie because that sounds like a really interesting film by her. I assume it's probably not on Netflix but is there like some sort of streaming platform that it's on? Yeah so I actually watched it on Canopy. If you have a library card through EPL you can just get that for free through Edmonton Public Library. Rad that's awesome so it's free for everyone to check out. And next up we have Wen. Wen who is your feminist of choice? 
my feminist of choice is Hua Mulan. Um, you might know her from the Disney movie Mulan. Doing some research, I was just thinking back to like who kind of started the, the gears for feminist thinking in my own life. And one of the first fictional, or we still don't know if she was a myth or a real person, but one of the first people was Mulan. It was um, the first person that I saw that who looked like me in a big Western film. So I wanted to do a little more digging. And as some of you might know, there was the live action movie that came out this year, which has received a lot of negative critique because of how it depicts Mulan's character and why she was kind of fighting for what she was doing. Basically in the movie, Mulan basically needs to have a superpower to be equal to a man. She's like the chosen one, which in the actual mythology is really not integral to that. The point of that mythology is to show that an ordinary girl can do what a man can do. And it wasn't like about honor to your family. It was about fighting for those you care about. And in that case, it was her dad. It just spoke to how we can all make really impactful change if we see how we can connect to Mulan in some ways. I think we all have expertise in our own lives and the own spaces we, we are in and how we can be better feminists in those spaces and fight those oppressions that are interlocking with feminism. And it also, the live action speaks to how we need more Asian representation, not just in the cast, but behind the scenes in the production and writing. That was great, Wen. Yeah, I really appreciate learning about that because, yeah, I also loved Mulan as a child. And first when I heard about the live action, I was excited. I was like, oh, yeah, live action Mulan. I love that movie. But I'm really glad to hear your feminist critique. That's very interesting that in the live action, they gave her superpowers. That is really uh, disappointing that a woman would need superpowers to, um, you know, live up to the standards of a man is kind of like what this film is saying. So good to know for the heads up. Yeah, exactly, Rosiva. Who is the feminist you chose? So the feminist that I chose is Jacinda Arden. And I wouldn't say that she's really impacted me or like she's someone that I really look up to, but it's just someone that I wanted to know more about since I've seen her on the news. And also she was just reelected as New Zealand's prime minister on October 17th. So I did my research and some quick facts about Jacinda. She's one of the youngest world leaders at 37 years old. Uh, she's the leader of the Labour Party and the second elected leader to have a baby in office and the first leader to bring their baby to the UN. Normally I'm pretty dubious of politicians and I think the problem is that a lot of people are like too eager to be excited about women politicians and think like, oh, this is a next step for women and um, this representation is amazing, rather than looking critically at these women's politics. So for example, uh, you know, just look at Margaret Thatcher, right? So Margaret Thatcher was one of the first female politicians in the UK, but uh, her time as prime minister in the office led to worse living conditions for the working class and for women and for everybody in general and uh, brought in neoliberalism, which I mean, personally, I think is one of the most harmful ideologies that has ever happened and has made the world a worse place. So I think that we need to expect more from our politicians and our female politicians. 
So I also wanted to note that New Zealand, also known as Aotearoa, is under colonial occupation and to be a more feminist space, uh, the land would be given back to the indigenous Maori habitants. So that being said, I think that Jacinda has made some really interesting headlines lately and had some said some things that are really interesting to me, uh, mostly because I don't know if I've ever heard a politician talk in such a radical way. Uh, so Jackson Stiles at the News Daily has written the following quote in his article. In her first televised interview since uh, being prime minister, labor leader Jacinda Ardern said that homelessness and poverty were proof that capitalism had failed New Zealanders on low incomes. Some quotes from Jacinda Ardern are, if you have hundreds of thousands of children living in homes without enough to survive, that's blatant failure. What else could you describe it as? She also said, there's no point gloating about the economic growth of a nation if you have some of the highest rates of homelessness in the developed world. Some other quotes from her include, we need to make sure we are looking at people's ability to actually have a meaningful life and enjoyable life where their work is enough to survive and support their family. So I really liked those statements and I really liked her critiques of capitalism and just the fact that we have a politician who's critiquing capitalism is, um, I mean, really something really cool that's happening right now. So uh, I hope that Jacinda will back up those statements and we'll make some really um, important actions that will make life better for folks living in New Zealand. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing, Rosiba. I think this segment's a great uh, example of why I love CJSR and being part of this um, community so much. First, obviously, I've met so many amazing and cool people along the way, um, all y'all on the Adam and Eve team and every single other volunteer that I've met here. It's just awesome being surrounded by all these passionate and like-minded people. And then second, being part of this show has also given me so many opportunities to learn more about different aspects of feminism and just how to apply it to everything around me. And I love being able to share this with others as well. So please continue to support CJSR if you also like learning about these things together with us. Thanks so much, Michelle, for that. And if you're interested in donating, it's super easy and convenient. You can just visit our website and make a donation. And if money is tight right now, we totally understand. There are a lot of ways you can support us by sharing what CJSR is about, sending your friends your favorite show or program, or just spreading the word about FunDrive. That's all so appreciated. Next up, we'll be taking a listen to a conversation that Autumn Morinchuk and Rosie Forks Jenkins had with Caitlin Hart from Free Transit Edmonton about the intersections of feminism, transit, and the right to mobility. Thanks for staying on board with us. Hello, my name is Rose Eva Forge Jenkins, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm a fourth generation white settler on Treaty 6 territory. I wanted to learn more about transportation as a feminist issue, so I'm here today to talk to uh, chat with my fellow Adam and Eve producer, Autumn Morinchuk, and Caitlin Hart from Free Transit Edmonton. So thank you so much for being here, and I'll let both of you introduce yourselves. Yeah, so my name is Autumn Mornchuk and I use she, her pronouns. And as Rosiva mentioned, I'm a producer here for Adam and Eve, and I'm really excited to be having this conversation today. Yeah, I'm Caitlin Hart. I'm an organizer with Free Transit Edmonton. Um, my pronouns are she and her. And yeah, I'm really excited to be back on Adam and Eve. Caitlin, thank you so much. I was wondering if you could tell me more about your role with uh, Free Transit Edmonton and talk about some of the work that you've done with them. Yeah, so I first got involved with Free Transit Edmonton probably about a year ago this time um, when it was still like really new and 
we still don't really have defined roles, you know, but I've mostly been involved in like the communication side. But I mean, we're all organizers, we're all doing community outreach, we're all doing strategic planning. So we're all really doing all the things and, and contributing to um, working to make transit free in Edmonton. Got you interested in free transit in the first place? Like, do you have a moment that you remember? Or is it just kind of the, like, you're talking about the general ideology, like what you got you passionate about it? I mean, I really got involved with the group just because my friend uh, kept poking and prodding me to, to join. She was like, you really should you should come to a meeting, you should run the Twitter, whatever. So that's what really encouraged me to join the group itself. But what made me interested in free transit, I think just like the minute that I first heard of free transit or even like transit's free on like New Year's Eve in Edmonton. And I always like thought that was so great. Anytime like just the, the concept of free transit, I heard it as someone who doesn't drive and relies on transit a lot. It was just something that made sense to me. Logically, I'm like, why shouldn't transit be free? So even though, like, yeah, it does, there is some kind of, like, ideological match for me, too. It's just something that I never really thought about, I guess. I was just like, yeah, free transit would be good. That would be good for, you know, people who are houseless. That would be good for single moms. That would be good for, like, all these groups that are maybe left behind in some ways, but are groups and people that I've always cared about. So something about it just, like, inherently made sense to me, I guess, and that's what it just clicked for me immediately. I don't know. I didn't need to be convinced, but I'm a transit rider. So that's a big reason why. Since Adam and Eve, we are a feminist news show. I'm interested to hear your thoughts about how women and feminism connects with free transit Edmonton and free transit in general. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that came to mind when I started to think about this was just like the gendered nature of poverty or um, what's sometimes called the feminization of poverty which really economists and uh, sociologists and stuff started thinking about in the 70s and then kind of throughout the 90s, we became more familiar with it culturally. So I think we can point to really like neoliberal economics as causing this feminization of poverty where most low wage workers are women and especially women of color, migrant women. All around the world, women are doing low paid work, undervalued work, and then they come home and do more work for free. whether it's like childcare or senior care or even just the housework. I thought immediately of like migrant women here in the West who are doing like the labor of caring for upper-class women's children so those women can work. All these connections to poverty and how those are a lot of the people who take transit in our city and around the world. Like I think we have this image of poverty and low-wage work in North America as like factory workers but like factory jobs are gone in North America. They're not here anymore. Like low wage work now looks like healthcare aides and retail and food service workers. And yeah, the support workers at um, hospitals who are on strike right now, who knows they will be when this episode comes out. But like, those are the, the low wage workers. Those are the people facing poverty. They're mostly women and they take transit. And uh, you know, a transit monthly pass in Edmonton costs $97 every month for uh, someone who's making $15 an hour and like $97 is a lot every month. So I just think about primarily like the feminization of poverty um, as like the biggest thing that like free transit can alleviate poverty for everyone. But like the biggest impact I think that we would see immediately would be on women being able to like get around and get their children around the city, go to appointments, access services, get around the city safely 
is just like the biggest immediate effect of making transit free. So you've been talking a lot about like making transit not just free but also like good and I'd be interested to hear kind of what you're sort of like in an ideal world what does like good transit mean what does it look like what does it mean to you? Yeah I think it means so many things like one is that it's comprehensive like right now our you know our train line is so basic you know (laughs) it's a pretty straight straight line north to south um so definitely more comprehensive uh train lines would be a huge benefit i think also just like like a bus network that you know runs frequently so it's not a big deal if you miss the bus a bus network that makes sense that connects connects neighborhoods that people need to go to like it there's all these like big neighborhoods that are so like disconnected from it's just like really hard to get around even when you live you know somewhere supposedly really central and I think a really good public transit system would connect people in a way that is so much more easy to understand which is another thing about good transit would be like so much more accessible you know would have so much more space for people with mobility concerns, with for, for mothers with strollers. Um, you know, sometimes you're sitting on a bus and there's already, you know, two wheelchair users and a mom with a stroller on the bus and then another mom with a stroller tries to get on and there's nowhere for them to go, you know? Like there's, there's like all these considerations about making transit more accessible to all people. So I think those are like kind of the biggest things for me. And, and like also like bus and train systems that aren't, built around like a nine to five schedule, you know, which is a big, big thing that our transit system does. Like a few, a few routes run late. I, I mean, not right now, but previously, you know, a lot of the bus routes would run to, till midnight or two and that's great. But I don't know. I remember when I was working a customer service job and I'd be waiting for forever, like downtown late at night, trying to catch the nine and you just kind of feel scared you're just like in an empty street down down by yourself um i think good transit would really address that in that the routes would be frequent they would run all night um yeah i think all of those factors contribute to making transit good yeah as we're wrapping up i'm wondering what what does free transit edmonton want the future to look like you know what are some plans that they're working on yeah, I think like I think I mentioned before, like we really see like free transit as kind of a, a catalyst for other things in the city. Like we're not just imagining a city where transit is free. We're imagining a city where the environment is considered and is taken care of and like city parks are invested in and walkability is invested in. Um, I think we really imagine a city where homelessness isn't a problem, you know, where everyone is housed where people aren't experiencing racism and police violence. Like it's, I think like what makes me so excited about free transit is that it's like this one simple idea, but it's really like, it's about like a, such a bigger vision for, for our city. Um, so I really think, yeah, like we'll just continue pushing city council. Hopefully when it's a new city council, it's a more progressive city council um, and they're easier to push. <laughs> There's, definitely a lot of um, interesting personalities on our current council. Um, Yeah, I think like 
free transit is just this amazing thing that connects to all the issues that I think people, I mean, on the left, but I think everyone can get behind the ideas of community and safer public spaces and uh, more green spaces. And yeah, I just think it connects to like this like broader leftist vision about racial, social, economic labor and climate justice and like really getting transit funded as the public service that it is, right? So I think we'll continue with the city council push. We'll continue with fair free forever and just trying to, yeah, advance our vision of making transit reliable and efficient and accessible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's just so many great values behind it about the environment and climate and about labor rights and working with the 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 ATU, which is the um, Amalgamated Transit Union, like we're really just trying to like build a coalition, I think, of people who care about all these same things and we can come together around transit as like one way to get to like win labor power and to end poverty. Going off of that, if folks are more interested in learning about Free Transit Edmonton, do you want to plug some places that they can learn more and where they should go? Absolutely, yeah. So we've got our website, freetransitedmonton.ca where you can um, learn more about like past actions, donate, get involved, etc. That's one place to get connected. Another is our Facebook, which is also just Free Transit Edmonton. Um, and then our Twitter, which is Free Transit YEG. Um, those are the best places to find us. Um, you can also send us an email. It's just freetransitedmontongmail.com if you want to like get involved or you have um, a skill that you want to contribute to a future campaign or you have any kind of like resource or connections or anything you want to just get involved, send us an email or send us a Twitter DM or Facebook message, whatever. Oh, we have an Instagram too. Uh, Free Transit Edmonton on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, we're on all the, all the socials and we have our website, freetransitedmonton.ca. You just heard part of an interview between Autumn Mornchuk, Rosiva Forge Jenkins, and the folks at Free Transit Edmonton on CGSR 88.5 FM. Stay tuned to our next episode to hear the rest of this interview. And don't forget to donate, donate, donate. So radio is a really important thing in my life because I think in the place we're at right now with how we consume a lot of media, it's really fast paced. It's really like you don't really take it in critically in a lot of cases. And in this like attention capitalism, it's all about the content that can be most popularized. But I think radio has a way of having these conversations that need more time and more more digestion in a less consumerist way to talk about important conversations and conversations that we might not be having in our day-to-day lives. So yeah, that's why I think Having a radio show is important in these times. It does seem a little outdated to younger folks, I think, to listen to radio if you're not already in the scene. But I think it's a great way to be accessible to a broad range of people and to reach a lot of people who might have never done that digging themselves. So please donate. Thank you so much, Wen. And now we'll be moving on to the final segment. Last but not least, we have our quiz. This year we'll be doing the BuzzFeed quiz 
Tell us about your quarantine routine and we'll give you a destination for your next vacation. Okay, so it's everybody ready? Yep, got my uh, link yeah. loaded up. All right. So the first question is, around what time do you normally wake up? The options are 6 a.m., 8 a.m., 10 a.m., noon, 2 p.m., or it's not even daytime when I wake up. I've been there, but <laughs> not quite my routine. Probably go with noon. Well, I picked 10 a.m. I picked 8 a.m. I also picked 8 a.m. because uh, I adopted a cat over quarantine, and my cat, well, when I first adopted my cat, it was like, uh, he would wake me up by licking my face. At first, he would lick my, like, the tops of my eyelids to wake me up, and that would, Ooh. yeah, it, if you're wondering what a cat's tongue feels on your eyelids, the answer is it's really bad. Of course. <laughs> oh, wow. But then, like, I think that was at the beginning when he wasn't sure, uh, he was, like, we're still getting used to each other, but now that we're used to each other, um, he lets me sleep in till 8 a.m., so that's... <laughs> <laughs> how kind of him um i also put noon and that's like my usual waking up time if i have nowhere to go so it's also different if it's like waking up or getting up because i'll wake up like at this time but then i'll spend like two hours <laughs> just in bed doing nothing oh that's me yeah. too i'm like on youtube for like yeah. three yeah, hours right? and i'm like what what is my life <laughs> the next one is what does a typical quarantine breakfast look like for you and the options are a bowl of cereal, a full breakfast, something light like toast, something healthy like a smoothie, just coffee, or I'm not much of a breakfast person. There's no chips. <laughs> not be your breakfast. <laughs> chips and coffee. So I'll go with coffee. I'm going to say a smoothie, not because it's healthy, but just because I bought a smoothie maker. Uh, over quarantine because uh, yeah it's a very easy thing for me to make so yeah I ended up having a lot of smoothies for breakfast. I picked something light like toast. My go-to breakfast is toast with cheese whiz most of the time. <laughs> I don't wake up early enough for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this one was hard for me because like I'll start off with something light because I'm like oh gross food I'm not hungry but then once I'm eating I'm like wow I'm hungry and then I'll eat like everything on this page all at once so, <laughs> so a full breakfast that'll be a full yeah breakfast. I'm just gonna say that <laughs> okay so question number three is be honest what are your quarantine fits looking like these days and by fits they mean outfits okay and the options are pajamas all day every day Mostly sweats and hoodies, casual clothes like jeans and a tee, professional workplace attire, workout clothes, or depends on the day, TBH. Pajamas all day. I'll go for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I don't leave the house, it's sweats and hoodies. Yeah. I also pick sweats and hoodies. Yeah. Same. It's toss up between pajamas all day, every day and sweats and hoodies because like I feel like I would start off in pajamas and then wear my sweats and hoodies and then wear those as pajamas. So it's like, they can be pajamas if you're creative enough. So I'm just going <laughs> to, you know what? Any of these could be pajamas if you want to. <laughs> I don't know if he's wearing jeans because. I was like, are jeans and a tee pajamas? Yeah, I cannot. I cannot. Yeah, that's. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> what about you, Wen? What are you wearing? Also sweats and hoodies. Nice. All right. Question number four. How do you spend most of your day? 
Um, the options are work or school, watching TV and movies, doing chores, chilling outside, working out, or on social media. I unfortunately have an Apple phone and it gave me the screen reports of like how long you've been on your phone. <laughs> Based on those being like, you're using it nine hours a day. And it's, <laughs> so I'm going to say social media. Yeah, now I'm at school or work, but before I was just watching movies all day. So I'll take that one. Yeah, I'm supposed to be at school and work, but yeah, really I'm on my phone a lot of times watching BTS fan videos. So <laughs> I'm going to say work or school because that's mostly what I have been doing. Yeah, I think I'll go for, for work or school. Yeah. So the next one is which of these quarantine hobbies have you taken up? Baking, especially bread, tons of DIY projects, lots and lots of puzzles, reorganizing a whole room, most, if not all of these, TBH, meaning to be honest, or none of these. Mine's 100% baking. I like was never much of a baker, but then being, um, before I got my job, I was just like at home most of the day and I baked so many things. It was getting to the point where there was like not enough counter space or containers to contain all of the baked goods that I was making. What's it? What are some of your highlights? Um, I made pumpkin spice muffins and then I also made like soft pretzels and chocolate zucchini muffins. And those are kind of the, Ooh, Ooh that sounds good. Yeah. So productive. I think I'll go with baking as well, but not because I did, but I think I'll go for cooking. That's that's something I, I would stress cook a lot. <laughs> for me, it was tons of DIY projects because I got really into plants. So then I had to like find these shelves for these plants. So I like put together a bunch of Ikea shelves and like reorganize my house. And then also because I got the cat, I put together um, a little outdoor cat patio area for him. Also like gardening and stuff like that. I'll, I'll count gardening as DIY projects, so. I've been doing knitting, so I don't know DIY projects. Yeah, I think I'll also pick DIY. I mean, I've been into bread for a while, but my all my baking vessels like have broken down and cracked. So oh. I'm heartbroken and haven't touched my sourdough starter for months. Oh, um, so then, uh, yeah, now I'm making like do you know shrinky dinks? Oh, <laughs> the like yeah. plastic. Yeah, I'm making like keychains. That's amazing. And random shit like oh, that. For my those. <laughs> um, so that's my current craft project. Yeah, Wen gave some to the folks at Intent Coffee, and it was so cute, and they loved it so much. It's so cute. <laughs> I'll make you all Adam and Eve ones. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. What do your evenings look like? Taking a walk around the neighborhood, learning to cook something new, video chatting with friends and family, watching a movie, cuddling up with your pets. I like to switch it up every day. That's hard because I feel like I need all of these. Like I'm mm -hmm. doing lots of video chatting with folks. I took lots of walks and like cooked lots of new things. Oh, my favorite new thing that I cooked was um, uh, Swiss chard mac and cheese. That was really good. Ooh, sounds Ooh. good. Oh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I made lots of mac and cheeses and they were all delicious. But I'm going to, okay, I'm going to put cuddling with my pets because as I said, I adopted the cat and so I spent a lot of time with Frankie, who is very cuddly. 
Yeah, I'm also gonna pick cuddling up with my pets because uh, my dog, he's a very needy, he's a very needy boy. <laughs> I think I'll go taking a walk. Yeah, yeah, just to de-stress a little bit. Oh, but no, it's quarantine, never mind. Can I take a mental <laughs> walk? Yeah, I'll <laughs> take mental, mental walk. <laughs> <laughs> sure you can, you can take a mental walk. I've never heard of that before, but. Um, I'm going to go with video chatting with friends and family. I think I like do all of these, but mostly the cooking thing. That's been, yeah, kind of more consistent thing I do in the evening. And I guess the last question, what time do you normally go to bed? There's 8 p.m., 10 p.m., midnight, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m. or later. I'm a midnight person. Holy smokes, I'm a I'm a 10 p.m. person. Oh. <laughs> 2 a.m. for me. Yeah, 2 a.m. What? Who are you people? <laughs> <laughs> I go with midnight, yeah. I cannot stay up that late to save my life. Well, you're also like an early <laughs> riser, so <laughs> makes sense. Right, yeah. I yeah. guess that's true. Like an old lady. <laughs> I got friends. I got, I got friends, friends too. Ooh. I got Tahiti. I got Tahiti as well. Tahiti. I got Japan. So for France, it's uh, you've been making the most out of your quarantine, which I haven't been. <laughs> in. Uh, you have a positive outlook and take a, every opportunity to live the life of your dreams. See, a mental walk. <laughs> Even when times are feeling tougher than usual. So you'll you'll have the time of your life enjoying delicious pastries, basking in the sun on the beaches of Nice, and exploring all unbelievable artwork in the Louvre during your, ti- your trip to France. I, I can't wait for your mental trip to France. Yeah. <laughs> and all the mental walks will take <laughs> So I got Tahiti, and they said, my friend, you really deserve a vacation. You've had your hands full during quarantine and have certainly been keeping busy. What you need is a break from all the chaos to relax and focus on you. Just think about it, relaxing on the warm beaches, swimming in the crystal clear water, watching the breathtaking sunsets. What more could you ask for? And yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, I also feel like I'm, I'm down with Tahiti. <laughs> Um, and I got Japan, so it says, you're a total mm. night owl who hates nothing more than being bored. <laughs> you're craving something new to spice up your life after quarantine, and there's no better place for you to visit than Japan. From the incredible nightlife of its big cities to the stunning views from the mountains and countryside, you'll never, ever be bored. I think BuzzFeed's on to something. <laughs> on my way to France. <laughs> when? What was yours? Oh, I also got France, so. Oh, yeah friends oh that's interesting you guys have like totally different yeah yeah that's funny that like matched up well thank you everyone for taking part in our yearly tradition of the adam and eve quiz it was awesome to learn about everybody and i can't wait for us to go on these amazing vacations in 2030 And since we can't really go on our vacations until 2030, I know what I'm going to love to do to uh, spend the time until then. 
will be continuing to volunteer at Adamant Eve on CGSR. Um, I've been doing it since 2013, and I've loved um, all the time that I've spent at CGSR being part of a community. Even with uh, something as unsettling as a pandemic, it was really wonderful to have uh, the CGSR community to make me feel, um, you know, that I had folks around me that I could um, talk to. And I just really appreciated having that CGSR and Adam and Eve community. And since I've been volunteering for so long, I feel like I've really uh, learned a lot, both as a feminist and my own feminism has evolved so much and I've learned so much through them. And I've really um, grown a lot. Last year, 2019, Adam and Eve won the Women's Hands and Voices Award. Um, so it was just a really special moment to uh, really celebrate how much Adam and Eve has achieved. And we're one of the longest running shows on CJSR. So um, thank you so much to everyone who's been donating to uh, keep shows like this on air and to keep communities like CJSR going. So thank you so much and remember to donate. Thank you, Rosiva, for your, for your input and your thoughts. That brings us to the end of the special fun drive edition of Adam and Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news program. Thanks to Mavi and Reika from Intent Coffee as well as Caitlin from Free Transit Edmonton for featuring on this episode. You can follow Intent Coffee on Instagram under the handle intentcoffee.yeg and Free Transit Edmonton on freetransitedmonton.ca and thanks to all of you our listeners for continuing to support diverse voices on radio. We produce this week's show in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Treaty 6 territory. We spent this hour looking at feminism around the world and now we encourage you to localize and reflect on your own ties and relationships to a specific land and people in your own lives. We're grateful to be in the traditional territory of the diverse indigenous peoples of this land. We recognize that Canada is a violent colonial state and continues to disregard the sovereignty and livelihood of diverse First Nations locally and internationally. We encourage you to reflect on your own relationship further and ask what accountability would look like here and practice for yourself, the communities you're part of and the larger systems that shape our daily access and opportunities. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've been your host, Rose Eva Forgsenkins. I'm Autumn Mornchuk. I'm Michelle Dang. I'm Luis Fuentes. And I'm Wen Chan. Have, Have an Adam, Adam and Evening. evening. <laughs>